0: The old world is dying the new world struggles to be born now is the time of monsters uh, with those uh, sentiments from gramsci um, as put into verbal form by zizek i welcome you to the time of monsters podcast um this week i want to take up the sort of republican Uh, primary race, um, which one might think is a little bit too early. I mean, it's a long ways until anyone starts voting. Uh, But there's a kind of primary before the primary, a primary, you know, that's dominated by donors and uh, sort of, uh, uh, in the case of Republican, the sort of right-wing media. And it's kind of interesting to see how uh, there was an attempt to create a narrative and that has totally faltered. Uh, that is to say, um, Donald Trump is running and he has sort of natural advantages. He's already won the Republican um nomination twice uh, in 2016 and 2020. Uh and he's considered very favorably by most Republican voters. Um, and you know, he has name recognition uh that you know you could uh uh yeah you know, that can't really be improved i mean i'm thinking you know who is more well known than trump maybe his dining partner kanye uh <laughs> uh but uh and beyond that um uh you know he's doing well in fundraising but There was a counter-narrative that was kind of set up or an attempted narrative that one especially saw in the more sort of respectable precincts of the right, the sort of Wall Street Journal National Review, uh, which is that actually uh, people were saying that the presumptive frontrunner is actually Ron DeSantis. Uh, And they were saying this because he was also doing well with Fundraiser and he had the sort of uh, a lot of the establishment conservative media had jumped ship from uh, Trump, especially the ones owned by Rupert Murdoch. Ah, uh, but not just by um uh, uh, uh the Murdoch um brand, but uh, certainly the Fox News is giving Trump much less attention than it did before. The Wall Street Journal, um, the same. Uh, and outlets like National Review have kind of you know become very ah uh, you know hotbeds for pro DeSantis sentiments, um. And so the the argument was, and and you know, uh, Desantis was for a while polling quite well, um, uh, against the Trump, like well ahead of any of the other, uh, candidates either declared or potential, like uh, former Vice President Mike Pence or um, um, uh, South Carolina former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley. Uh, you know, usually if Trump is getting, you know. Uh 40 to 50, then uh DeSantis is behind there with 20 to 30. Um having said that, I mean I think some of us were always skeptical of whether DeSantis could pull this off. Um and now there's signs that he's running into a little bit of trouble, even before he's announced he's actually not run, he hasn't actually announced yet that he's running for president, but even now he's sort of faltering both in the polls, there's reports that uh, various donors are kind of getting a bit nervous, like, you know, are we really going to put all our eggs in this basket? There's sort of, the sort of leaks that are coming out from his staff are the ones that, um, you know, are typical of either campaigns that are faltering or um, perhaps the crew of the Titanic uh, after they've uh, landed on shore, you know, blaming the captain. I mean, we have reports of, you know, most memorably DeSantis' uh, very disgusting eating habits. Um, so so, what exactly is going on here? So I am uh, to discuss, uh, you know, um, uh, Ron DeSantis and the sort of narrative that was built upon him and why it's good to be skeptical of it. I'm very ha- happy to have on Uh, Alex uh, Shepard, staff writer for the New Republic, who has written on this, and I'll I'll link to his piece on on it. But um, yeah, Alex, like, uh, broadly, what do you think is going on? Well, I think a a bunch
1: of things. But I think the biggest one is just that DeSantis himself is still a relatively new and inexperienced and relatively unknown commodity uh, within Republican circles. He's been built up by the media, particularly after kind of uh, f- flouting uh, COVID requirements, you know, in the, the early-ish um, stage of the pandemic. And I think, broadly speaking, he fit a bill that many people decided was what was going to work uh, for a post-Trump candidate. It's kind of, he's been called by some people like Trump with a brain, or, you know, to some extent, you can say Trumpism without Trump, that he is a sort of died in the wool culture warrior. His... Uh, his politics in terms of the pandemic and the vaccine have generally been where Republican voters uh, want them to be. He's a kind of, you know, a pugilistic culture warrior who, you know, if he was around 15 years ago, would have probably been a pretty standard or bog standard um, establishment uh, Republican, but has sort of remade himself as this kind of um, culture warrior. Um, but then, you know, as we've seen, I think over the last six weeks or so, like once the rubber has started to hit the road, uh, a lot of his flaws uh, have started to emerge. But also what we're seeing as well is that the dynamic in 2016, uh, despite the fact that I think Trump is, is is not the candidate that he was eight years ago, he's much more erratic. He's much more self-obsessed. He is uh, far less interested in this sort of policy uh, you know, the creative policy decisions that helped him, among other things, when uh, the kind of the old blue wall states um, that, you know, at the end of the day, when you get into the ring with Trump, you have to be uh, prepared for what you're going to get. Uh, DeSantis should know this because we've seen this happen for eight years now. And yet uh, the moment uh, Trump started attacking him, uh, calling him, among other things, a pedophile, Um, DeSantis has just looked weak and confused, and you're already starting to see his poll numbers shift, and there are already reports uh, leaking out that uh, donors are are starting to bail as well.
0: Yeah, no, I I think that's right, that the um, uh, pattern that DeSantis is following is something we've actually seen with a lot of Republicans that have gone after Trump, both in sort of in the sort of primaries, but even in sort of like trying to challenge Trump on various issues. There's various times where Republican leaders like uh, Mitch McConnell uh, uh, will like try to challenge Trump on something, and then you know Trump will send out uh, a few uh, nasty tweets about uh, McConnell's Chinese wife, and then uh, McConnell will back down. Uh, and it seems like um, the uh, uh, my uh, uh uh friend and occasional uh, podcast guest uh, John Gans has this kind of um a, um a topology or um uh taxonomy of uh, fascist types uh saying that he is a, they, that there's like uh on the one hand the uh, sort of jocks and the creeps, uh, you know, the, uh, the, the jocks are like the Mussolini types, you know, who are like, uh, we're big brawny men and uh, uh, we want, uh, uh, we'll the uh, bullies who will like, you know, push you around. And the creeps are the, you know, the guys who are like uh, nervously reading books on race science and uh, planning uh, 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 various mad experiments. Uh, you know, the, the people that were basically the um, 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 uh, hardcore Nazis uh, that surrounded Hitler in pushing the last days uh the uh e- now um uh, 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 John has suggested you know, on this taxonomy uh you know like Trump is the classic uh, jock and uh, DeSantis is the sort classic nerdy uh creep uh and it seems to me like bizarre to think like you know why would uh, primary voters you know go for the creep ag- against the, the jock you might want the creep You know, and then Trump had creeps around him. He had Stephen Miller, right? Like he had, you want those creeps to be like, you know, you put them in charge of immigration so they can figure out how to cage children. But you're you're not putting Stephen Miller, like, on the stage, right? Like, so it does seem like, you know, like, you're putting a, a bully against, a nerd as your champion against the bully. And it's just like, that seems like a like key strategic mistake. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean,
1: I think, look, there, there's one issue here, which is, you know, that I think part of Desantis's appeal is that, I mean, Florida is a big state, but he was not really a national figure before the pandemic. and even then he's not he's not super well tested um so you could kind of project whatever you wanted onto him and now that we're seeing it what we're seeing is this kind of somewhat awkward impersonal short guy who just doesn't have a lot of juice um just jumping off what you were just saying i would kind of add two things one is that uh i think i think republican elites in particular looked at Trump's status within the party which is slipping like it i don't think that that's crazy to say or at least it has been slipping it's recovered i think recently um but it, it's not to the extent that it was uh that they looked at this and they thought well um you know we can we can find somebody new to do this but DeSantis is is uh actually dealing with the exact same incentive structure that republicans like ted cruz marco rubio jeb bush even had in 2016 which is that uh you still need the Trump voters, right? Like Trump still commands a group of several million, you know, probably in the the low tens of millions who these candidates are looking at and they say, well, these are people that I'm going to have to convert at some point if I'm the nominee. So they feel like they have to give Trump the kid glove treatment. And I think also because they know that, you know, Trump is a is a counter puncher. Um, but what we've seen is that DeSantis has been reluctant to go after Trump to sort of get in the mud with him, partly because I think he knows he'll lose, but also because he's trying to play this long game. Uh, And we know already that 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 doesn't work. I mean, I think, look, you know, Marco Rubio also eventually tried to get in the mud by saying that Trump had small hands and whatever else um, in 2016. But that was much, much later in the process. I think, the yeah, other, yeah, I would just say, I yeah, well,
0: yeah, like... yeah no, no, I mean, I think, I think Rubio and Ted Cruz are good examples because yeah, they did initially, you know, use the same logic. Well, you know, um, we, uh, we want to get those Trump voters, uh, so we can attack him and that made them look weak. And then when they did lash out at Trump, um, they like w- looked even worse because they're not, their whole personality type and the type of politician they are is not, um the sort of brawler that Trump is. Uh and so it looked fake. It you know like, like you know like for Rubio to go on and you know like you, you kind of give a euphemistic version. But right? I mean he's basically <laughs> saying that Trump has a small penis. And like the yeah. thing is you can't really like get into that sort of you know like um uh if you're like um you know a well-manicured politician like um uh, Rubio, like if you start talking like that, you just look like well, you're uh, uh, th- that just confirms how weak you are. Like the the that you you're admitting that Trump's style of politics is more successful and that you had to um, adopt it. Uh, and so so I th- I th- I think like all it's always that dynamic. It's, as you mentioned, it's partially. Can, you know, wanting those Trump voters, uh, but then also, you know, like, it just clashes with everything else that they're selling, because they're selling, like, um, expertise, like, like, I'm a professional Republican committed to the party, uh, and I will carry through the party's agenda, and, but you can't do that and, like, you know, um, and, uh, act like Trump. I mean, the structural advantage is really that Trump is, like, you know, even though he gives the Republicans everything they want, he is, like, personally not committed to the party. And like there's always a sense that he could like, you know, one day, like, you know, like Samson, just like, you know, like I'm just gonna pull this whole thing down because they're not giving me what he wants. And then it's a, that's a good position to be in. And everyone else is a party man. They're all a part checks. They all uh and and so they will not like you know, they can't threaten to destroy the party the way Trump can.
1: Well yeah this is this is exactly it, right? Where where Trump by going this sort of scorched earth route, he's also forcing every other candidate to play his way uh you know i'm well i won't use the sports metaphor but in general he does dictate the style of play and that's his huge advantage because i think even even though he was the president of the united states he still looks like an outsider in a lot of these fights because he's a they allow him to i mean again no other political candidate certainly no other mainstream political candidate would ever call somebody else a pedophile based on one picture that was posted on a website hosted by the Krasenstein brothers. But Trump does this. And I think when DeSantis tries to push back, as with other candidates, it only reinforces the fact that Trump is a different type of Republican. And I think one of the things that has been so badly misunderstood with DeSantis is I think that a bunch of people in both Republican elite uh, circles, but also Republican politicians themselves actually have looked at Trump and said, OK, what people want is Trumpism without Trump. If we can do all of the policy stuff that Trump does, then, you know, but with only 60 percent of the chaos, I mean, those will be chaos because they're all ungovernable, but uh, that this this will help us win. And DeSantis, I think, has really followed this rigidly. He's adopted almost every um, Trump position. He's only recently started to back down on on Ukraine. The big wedge between them is that, you know, Trump made the vaccine and DeSantis, you know, says that the vaccine kills people. Um, And that's not true. I think, you know, there are things that voters like policy wise with Trump, but in general, they like Trump. They like the fact that he's a a brawler. They like the pugilism. They like the chaos because all of that goes to show that he's not a normal politician and all of the stuff, the sort of message discipline and the adoption of, you know trump's largely incoherent policy portfolio with a few a few uh different shades you know it just doesn't work and again it it goes to this other weird thing where it it just reinforces trump's old brand which is outside chaos agent which i think worked really well when in fact i think that there's probably a better way to go at him which is to to do what trump did right to make this is a guy that ra- that ran the republican party for four years right that did a lot of things that i think republican voters Don't particularly like particularly like and um and I think that that you know that's treating treating Trump as a generic Republican much like treating Republicans as generic Republicans and not MAGA Republicans as as Biden and a lot of Democrats do is has actually been
0: a pretty pretty good electoral policy over the last eight years. Yeah no no I I I think that's right. In some ways, there's a fundamental incoherence to what. Um, the Trumpism without Trump is doing partially because, as you said, people don't want that. They want Trumpism with Trump. Like, if you could have a choice between Trumpism without Trump and Trumpism with Trump, why would you choose Trumpism without Trump? Like, because of the policies? Like, is that really why people like you know like got on board with this thing? No, no, of course not. Um, uh, and in some ways, the personality, you know, the vulgarity and the you know anti-system thinking and the conspiratorialism. Uh, and the nastiness; those are all policy in their own way. they are ways of, you know, like thumbing your nose at the system. Um, uh, uh, but uh, yeah, it, it's it's such a. But also, like if you're saying I'm offering Trumpism without Trump, you're basically saying, well, you know, Trump is good. Like, and and that's all the position of all the broken candidates. And you know, Trump was a great president uh but i'll give you that uh but with like less entertaining like like <laughs> you know like okay so, so, so like if you're a voter like you know like oh this you know trump's gonna give me trumpism and this and be entertaining and this guy's gonna give me trumpism and be this kind of like very weird awkward guy you know who might have gross eating habits in private <laughs> I, I don't know i it just doesn't it just, it just does not seem um uh up to it um and in some ways i i mean uh mckay coppin had a good piece in the atlantic about the sort of difficulties of mike pence which would sort of reflect on this that that pence is um you know normally like a former vice president does you know quite well it's a little bit unique circumstances because the former vice president now running against his you know the former president and that might be mike pence's problem but the other problem is um and mckay coppin in the of the atlantic um, uh, sat in on focus groups. You know, like nobody really likes Mike Pence. Uh, I mean, they might think like, oh, he's a good, religious, pious man. But the the big problem is that Pence's or used his political like um, uh, strength and the support that he had to validate Trump and say, like, you know, like, I'm a Christian, you know, I know we hear these stories about Trump, but, you know, like, he's supporting what we do. And people, they, they Pence was successful. He gave that stamp of approval, and now Trump has it. And if that's the case, that if, you know, like, you validated Trump, and now you're running against him, how does that make any sense? like, like You're both saying, like, you know, like, you know, I supported Trump in 2016 and in 2020, and, you know, like, and I'm going to carry out all his policies, but you know don't vote for him vote for me like it's just like i i just i don't even understand the logic of like why you would think that's a good uh uh position to put forward yeah i mean well this is what we're we're running into i think
1: is i mean we're still early in the primary season but no one has figured out you know despite all of the time that they've had how to run as a distinct candidate from from donald trump at least in terms of both policy and really a approach in a lot of ways and you know Trump uh, Pence has been the most aggressive in terms of you know saying well I mean and, and DeSantis has, has only recently in his interview with Pierce Morgan that was I think last week um started to try to outline this thing which is like oh this guy is chaotic but you know I will do all of the great things that Trump uh Trump did but efficiently you know and and without all this other noise and you know I mean not to not to re- repeat myself, but I think that the noise is the is the appeal for Trump. And I think as you just mentioned with Pence, that you know, there's also this other bizarre thing in which, you know, the the Pence vice presidential pick to the extent that it was useful at all, was useful electorally seven years ago, right? It, it may have it may have or may not have shielded Trump from various criticisms that he was. I mean he's obviously a fake Christian. <laughs> um he obviously has, you know, no interest in piety um, or scripture, but it very quickly became clear that evangelicals in particular liked him in Ooh. spite of all of those things, or, or perhaps because of them. And I think that that gave, you know, Pence, even by the standards of a vice president has been, was particularly lost because, you know, if he wasn't going to be Donald Trump's um, faith translator or something, then he had then he has nothing. And I think he's been a kind of man without a purpose. Um, for a long time, and then you know, it was, in some ways, it was weirdly given a gift in the form of the fact that the supporters of the former president literally tried to lynch him in the <laughs> United States Capitol, which I think should have shook a lot of this stuff loose. You know, I mean, he's been the most vocally critic critical candidate of uh, or presumed candidate of Trump thus far, but um, but that's all been pretty weak. And you know, in spite of all this, he hasn't <laughs> kind of unleashed. Uh, and you know that it should be freeing, but I think, as you said too, it's just part of the problem is that all of these people have decided, uh, for for kind of venal political reasons to, uh, to just kind of resemble uh and and repeat, um, Donald Trump in in most ways, and so the big distinction between them and him at this point is he's Donald Trump and and they're not, and I think that people with Desantis in particular. The assumption that the folks at the Wall Street Journal editorial board made was that's good. Uh, that's good politically. People want something different than Donald Trump. Uh, and I think what we're seeing is that that is not true.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. No, I mean, it seems like there is a constituency um, for people who like, who like Trump's policies but are embarrassed by Trump but that doesn't seem like oh you know like a either a majority or even a plural, plural, yeah. plurality of uh the uh uh republican party uh and in particular like if you really narrow down that uh, people who want trumpism without trump it is like you know the editorial board of the wall street journal uh you know the, the staff writers for national review uh you know some yeah. of the people on fox maybe not all yeah. of them even the Bulwark, it, the dispatch <laughs> yeah. yeah and it's it's, yeah. it's like uh and basically it's like people who like you know they want you know like these right wing policies but not to be like embarrassed by it or they find you know trump personally uncouth and vulgar uh and yeah that's not like I don't know. I mean, that, that doesn't seem like the basis of a distinct politics or like anything very meaningful. Yeah. Uh And uh yeah, I just like, yeah, I, I I don't see a majority uh coalition. And what you said about Pence is it is very interesting that he has been more critical of Trump than anyone else, but even he like always kind of pulls his punches yeah. and will, will also like give kind of support for Trump. And I think that this is the, this thing I would like underscore that if you're like a, you know, conservative or right-wing Republican, Trump was a very successful president. I mean, like, you know, like people say like, oh, how shameful that the party of Reagan has become the party of Trump. But like, you know, like Reagan, you know, like if you're conservative, you know, like at the time, a lot of conservatives, including people who worked for Reagan, like Pat McGann said, this guy's selling us out. You know, he puts Sandra Day O'Connor on the Supreme Court. He's talking to the Russians, you know, like, um, whereas Trump, I mean, like, you know, like, put three hard, or you know, right-wing Federalist Society maniacs on the court, you know, who overturned Roe v. Wade, and who are going to be, like, there for decades to come, pushing the United States, like, you know, really, like, you know, far more to the right than any of the judges that Reagan or even um, uh, uh, appointed, um, uh, or even... and. You know, like he gave tax cuts to the rich. He, like you know, amped up the military industrial complex for the Tucker Carlson types. He didn't start new wars. Uh, and he uh, where but uh, he like pulled out of the um, Iran nuclear deal, pulled out of the Paris climate agreement. I mean, he actually like gave I moved the like American embassy to Jerusalem. He gave a lot of things to like a lot of core republican constituencies uh and like you know i think properly like the people people treat like trump supporters as if they're crazy but like if those are the things you want then trump has given you things he's like santa claus
1: yeah yeah i mean i think and on that point too the biggest i I would argue that these things were instrumental in helping him win in 2016 but the biggest kind of forms of apostasy were all things that he backed away from to some extent right there was on free trade right he was certainly uh, more protectionist than any Republican president in recent yeah. memory had been, yeah. but it was never to the extent that, um, that uh, that he had promised or that wouldn't even expected. And again, like, I think that, that explains a lot of, you know, a lot of the, the pullback. And it's one of the reasons why he lost in 2020 uh, he campaigned aggressively on protecting um, social security and mm-hmm. Medicare. He's starting to do that again, but by the end of his term, you know, he was still proposing budgets and budgets that weren't going to pass, but budgets that would have cut uh, or altered these programs. Uh, similarly, like, as you said, he passed the passed the tax cut. And again, too, even on foreign policy, um, you know, he campaigned as much more of a peacenik in 2016 than how he governed. Yeah, he didn't get us involved in a foreign war, but he still embraced, I think, a pretty pugilistic mm-hmm. foreign policy, albeit one um, that, you know, suggested a kind of, realignment with various authoritarians, Um, you know, but again, you know, if you look at his China policy, right, like that, you know, it's a a pretty aggressive um, foreign policy that, you know, and and involved both not just in China, but also in the Middle East, the threat of using military force, even if he had always sort of, you know, and, you know, I think in these cases, like every instance in which he moved to, to towards the establishment position in almost every, every way
0: yeah no, no, I, I I think that's right. yeah. and and that and a lot of the concerns that people had about him, um uh, even among the Republican establishment were a sage that he did you know, you know, putting people like, you know, John Bolton into foreign policy to like kind of, you know, um, so there was a kind of you know reconciliation of Trumpism with the Republican party already. And if that's the case, then, you know, what's the problem? Why, why not? run him again, except that you kind of find it embarrassing. Uh, the uh, But also, I mean, the Social Security, Medicare thing, I mean, it's a kind of a, I, I think that was a major factor in his, you know, being able to sort of uh, get the upper hand against rivals in 2016, uh, that, you know, like he could bring in these kind of white working class voters, because he said, quite frankly, you know, I'm not going to touch uh, Medicare and Social Security. And with the implication that the other ones will, and which is, you know, like a true thing. And I think, yeah, as you said, he's doing it again with DeSantis. And again, it has a plausibility. Like, you can kind of um, think that, you know, like Trump, you know, as you said, he might put forward budgets that have this, but they're not going to pass. Whereas, you know, like, in some ways, DeSantis' is very argument, I'm effective works against them because this guy will be the one who will touch Medicare and Social Security. You know? yeah. well, you yes. know? And I think, you know, like, especially if the Republican Party, you know, has become more the the party of non-college whites, then, you know, like this has become, this is like a kind of major problem.
1: Yeah. And I think, you know, also I, the, the process of reconciliation, I think perhaps ironically, was also instrumental, I think in terms of Trump's takeover of the Republican Party as well, which is that, you know, he he made a I mean, I think partly just by virtue of the fact that he had no idea what he was doing <laughs> in the transition and was just sort of, you know, just needed to get um bodies on the ground, um, boots on the ground. You know, they the initial Trump uh White House was, you know, it's not so dissimilar to at least in terms of the the big uh appointments to what you would see from any other Republican who would have won, right? Uh and and I do think that uh trump took trump learned from that you know for for worse for the most part you know and he was like i don't want to deal with any of these establishment people anymore like you yeah. I mean the bolton feud uh basically every feud that he's had with any uh any any uh former secretary there um but i think that those fights actually strengthened his grip on the power and how our grip on uh on the party and and I think helped excommunicate a lot of a lot of his critics within the establishment. And that, you know, only further weakens the sort of Republican party that's, I think, trying to wrest back control or at least get, you know, a guy that they feel like they can, they can work with. Whereas, you know, Trump is campaigning again, in some ways, not dissimilarly to the way that he did in 2015, which is shocking given his influence within the party, given the fact that he again was literally president. Um, But you know, I think I think this ongoing fight, uh, you know, with Pence and with DeSantis, Haley to a lesser extent, um, you know, he, he's starting to make the case that he's an outsider again. And the presence of these types of candidates is is actually just strengthening that uh, that message.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, it is weird and uh, to think of Trump running as an outsider, you yes. know, yes. Except, except that I mean, if the alternative is DeSantis, if the alternative is this guy whose like entire political uh, case is that you know um, I can try to get I can keep the Trump voters on while keeping uh, making the donors and the people, the think tanks, and the Wall Street Journal happy. Then like Trump does look like an uh, an outsider, you know, compared to DeSantis, he is like he's DeSantis is like even much more a sort of programmatic apartheid uh, than like you know you. Uh, as you uh, in your article said, you know, like, you know, comparable to Marco Rubio and, and Ted Cruz, like he's, he's, he's a man of the party, a man of the system in in a way that like, yeah, Trump, um, you know, for all his reconciliation with the party, uh, is, uh isn't quite. So in some ways, yeah, like, like by putting DeSantis up as the main opponent of Trump, they, they are, you know, like ironically, in some ways, strengthening Trump's position and strengthening his claims. Um and in some ways, I mean, I think that Ukraine flip-flop, where he, like, you know, tried to both please the kind of Trumpist argument, well, you know, why are we uh, uh, getting involved with Ukraine and then, you know, backtracking to a more conventional Republican, like, you know, like, if you're a Trumpist voter, then you look at that and you think, like, oh, yeah, this guy, you know, he the he's a total puppet of the globalists, like, you know, the, 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 you know like... Uh, uh, Soros with uh, three uh, brackets around his name, uh, <laughs> you know, yeah. put in the phone call, and then uh, the uh, DeSantis is, is, is one of them. Ah, uh, you know, and then like 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 from the conserv- conspiratorial, I mean, I'm talking about the real hardcore Trumpist here mindset. Then 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 DeSantis is the perfect foil. Well,
1: I think I mean not to get back into the world's most tired conversation, which is you know do Trump supporters take him seriously or literally? But I do think that people discount the vibes-based nature of <laughs> Trump's appeal, which is that – which, again, I'm getting into this. They take him seriously, but not literally, Thing, but I do think that a lot – like the metaphorical power of these statements is actually really important. It's the yeah. fact that Trump is willing to, to say things that are not the status quo. They reinforce his willingness to break the existing order that these people detest, um, and I think that uh, – For a lot of very understandable personal and political reasons, no other Republican candidate is as willing to do that. But as soon as he starts it, uh, then there's nothing else that they can they can really do, because DeSantis, again, is stuck with the fact that at the end of the day, He's one trying to please two groups that are probably incompatible in a lot of ways, which is a kind of Washington elite consensus view and voters. And he's also thinking in the back of his mind, how am I going to actually govern if i'm elected and donald trump doesn't care about any of that stuff he just says yeah you know let's let let putin take it it's not our problem and, and he doesn't have to think no one says well then what would you do about belarus or you know or the baltic states or you know blah 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 he, he, he never has he's to gonna make a it. deal
0: he's gonna make yes. the best deal ever he's yes. gonna let like, will be over in a week he, he and putin will sit down and talk and you know they'll make they're gonna make a deal that's uh don't you understand that alex this is this, this yeah. is how this is how it's gonna happen yeah, okay <laughs> so yeah. don't don't talk about plans it's it's deals we we're we're in the world of the vibe is deals um yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so yeah no it, it does seem uh um yeah I, I, I mean there are ways that you like, can I imagine DeSantis could have if you were more you know, um, a politician with more finesse and more flexibility could have adopted some of that vibes-based thing by just saying, you know, like saying what Eisenhower said with Korea and what Nixon said with Vietnam, you know, like I have a plan to solve this problem, you know, like yeah. I won't talk, t- tell you about it because, you know, like unle- uh, it, but, you know, like I will go to Moscow or whatever, you know, like I will uh, uh, you know, like that would, but uh, there's ways uh, DeSantis seems too bound by convention to like kind of to well, do that.
1: One of the things that we haven't talked about, which is, uh, um, I think, pretty instructive here is that I actually think that DeSantis's is the, the theory behind the Ron DeSantis candidacy is actually like not bad in Republican circles, which is that he's the Florida governor, right? Florida is the state where people yeah. don't tell you what to do. Everywhere else, there are all these oppressive liberals who are telling you what you can say and what you can think. And they're making your children hate you and, you know, making them unrecognizable to you. And in Florida, like they have, you know, stood athwart history and yelled stop. And not just that, like this is the one place where they have fun, right? Like this is the place that stayed open during yeah. COVID. Um, it's still America there. Uh, I don't necessarily think that that's the worst like theory behind a Republican candidate. But Ron DeSantis is not, he's not like a loose a loose guy, but <laughs> he's not John Belushi. Yeah. Is not uh he he brings none of that like energy to any of this. instead, he in some ways resembles a kind of Mike Pence, this guy who just seems really ill at ease in, yeah. in public. um he he does not strike you as a kind of Republican voter, whereas, you know, I mean, Trump obviously is a huge phony. He, you know, <laughs> was not a Republican in most key respects until relatively recently um doesn't really care you know clearly holds most of his voters in complete contempt <laughs> and yet i think he that kind of attitude the you know like the effit attitude i think translates in this in this way and it's seen as authentic in spite of the fact that trump is so self-evidently and obviously a fraud in so many other ways and that's i think the the deficit it's it's both it's both vibes and authenticity um and, and I think there's just almost no way for DeSantis or I think, frankly, any other Republican <laughs> in this race to, to make up for that. I do have, I have caveats for that, but I can save them for later.
0: Yeah. 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 No, no. I, I mean, yeah. I mean, we should say like we're very early days. I mean, like I wouldn't like necessarily write DeSantis off. I just think it's very interesting that he's faltering right now and that he's like running into these difficulties. I mean, like, you know, like, like, you know, like, like, you know, like we're, uh, anything could happen, you know, <laughs> like, yeah, you well, know, like, yeah, well, even if there's but, I but. Say- yeah. I would say two
1: things just to throw in there. I think one is that I think Desantis's political profile has grown in part because people haven't looked under the hood, yeah. right? And once you do, you see putting Ron or whatever, yes. <laughs> this, this kind of weird, weird guy. Um, but I think that Trump's has also benefited from a lack of media coverage, which seems insane given, yeah. you know, how much hand-wringing that there's been. But, you know... I've had to just by virtue of of our job, you know, stay more or less up to date on hmm. him. And he is weird. Like he's gotten so much more myopic. I mean, obviously
0: Yeah, I know you you mentioned that before. And I'm glad you, you came back to this because it's actually a very good point. And this is actually a weak yeah, you know, we should talk about some of Trump's weaknesses. And it is a case, I mean, you know, in 2016, I mean, like, you know, this is something that liberals and democrats uh, especially Hillary Clinton kind of supporters, don't, don't want to admit, but, you know, Trump did put like some, some compelling issues on the table and that did shake loose people that, you know, like, you know, like normally do not vote Republican, you know, especially in the blue wall states. I mean, like, you know, like I just think back, you know, there was speeches that he gave in Pennsylvania that were like, you know, for Trump, surprisingly focused. And they did have this very clear message on like, you know, trade uh China uh the, the, the immigration wages uh you know like they like just tied everything together in a very nice way uh you know in and, and America first and like you know like like that could like appeal um uh to those white uh, non-college voters and you know like whereas like now you know for a variety of reasons like you know like he's much more addressing you know, not the sort of you know union guy, you know, who might um uh be disin not not wanna support a pro-NAFTA Democrat, yeah. but he's, he's he's addressing like you know QNAM people, you know. And he's, <laughs> he's he's addressing people who are like, you know, like Matt still angry about David Koresh and think like you know the federal government, you know, uh, like uh, you know, which it did do, like it committed a huge crime, but, but, but they should be avenged. The day he's he's addressing people who think that David Koresh should be avenged and which yep. is you know there are people that are out there like that but i i think that that's that's a lot fewer than the sort of you know union guys that don't like nafta well i think the big the big difference
1: I, I might oversimplify a little but you could make the case that the core of donald trump's argument in 2016 was um the political establishment from both parties is out to get you and i know because i was part of that establishment and i can be your advocate as somebody who was on the in. Mm. I was or am. I am slash was one of the elite, mm. and I can fight for you because I know all the ways that you're being screwed. And now it's literally just they're out to get me. Yeah, uh, and and I think that that has still has some appeal. You know, you can extend things beyond that, but so much of it is your favorite president is being victimized by uh, the liberal state, and I think. It is almost impossible to, I mean, look the the I don't want to overstate how focused Trump was in twenty sixteen, but the the Trump argument in heading into twenty twenty four is like almost completely, um, uh, it's so convoluted, it involves so many little <laughs> plot points involving. No january yeah. 6 you have to know who ashley babbitt is you got to know all the you know you have to know various attorney generals and secretaries of state in that have yeah. occupied their positions in at least six states around the country for five years uh and it's not it doesn't have the same appeal so i do think that um you know i just think that that the well, fact you know, trump has been boring you know yeah. for which is something that has rarely been the case but and i think he's having an adversary again has given given him some juice but for the most part you watch these things and you're just like they're exhausting
0: yeah, no, no, exactly. I, I, perhaps to use a a strain metaphor, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna put it out there. I think Trump suffers the same problem as a Marvel Cinematic Universe, uh, which is that like, you know, when you first start with like they're introducing Iron Man and the Incredible Hulk and Thor, you're like, oh, exciting, you know, like there's all these characters and uh, it's something new and different. But you know, like by the time you're now at like Phase Five and there's like you have to have a uh, uh, an extended knowledge of the MCU and realize how WandaVision relates to Ant-Man relates to the multiverse yeah. and Doctor Strange and like it's only uh um the hardcore fans that can even like keep up and like to understand any of the, any one of these movies you have to have a you know like a um a wikipedia Uh, read like you know like 100 wikipedia entries or have spent like you know 200 hours uh, watching previous movies uh, then it becomes like much more esoteric and much more strange. And yeah, there is a kind of Trump cinematic universe uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that 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 has been created, uh, and there are people who are into the Trump cinematic universe. There, mm-hmm. uh, um, it is a sort of like Marvel fandom. It's a participatory fandom. Uh, uh, so you know, like uh, where you know fans also end up creating things and doing cosplay, and and you see the sort of Trump hardcore Trump fans at these rallies, um, but. Yeah, it doesn't have the same mass appeal. There's continuity. I mean, there's a way in which I'm the insider, I know how they're gonna screw you, I will champion you. There's a continuity between that and the new argument, which is they're getting to me so they can get to you. Uh but but now the argument is much more me. Like they're they're going after me. Yeah. Um and yeah, I I I just feel like that has less mass appeal uh uh than uh the sort of classic Trumpism of 2016, which again, I mean, yeah, we shouldn't overstate how coherent it was or whatever. But 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 there was actually something really there, like there was an yeah. actual you know anti-system, anti-establishment politics, uh, which you know he was never going to carry through, and which was like you know, um, but 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 you know you can see why some people put faith in that, and and what yeah, I whereas now it's like yeah, you know, people who are, who are aggrieved. Um, yeah. but, but having said that, I mean I think that that you know there are Republican voters who have that um you know sense of agreement, you know, from 2020 and just from living in Joe Biden's America, you know, and, yeah. and there is a way in which you know if you you know believe in the sort of you know Fox worldview that there's this tyranny of wokeism that is you know running through the land and this is why your grandkids won't talk to you, uh, <laughs> then that, 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 that really like who who is going to like, like actually stand up for you? Like, is it going to be this dweeby Florida governor, <laughs> you know, like, you know, who might be passing a few laws or, you know, like what could break wokeism? It's a cultural complaint. And, you know, it's not a legislative complaint, right? It's like pe- the people aren't happy about the where the culture is going and you know like to have like well trump he's a former president reality show star you know like he's a you know like that's a big part of the appeal like you know he's of celebrity culture but he like thinks like i do uh you, you know like yeah. like i if it's a culture where you're after trump still seems like a more plausible candidate
1: yeah i think that's right and i think that one of the reasons why. Well, there are a lot of reasons why, but one of the biggest reasons why the Republican Party has become so culture war obsessed is I think that Trump, the tr- the extent to which Donald Trump disrupted the Republican Party has, I think, probably been accurately understood. But I think that there was this, there are various attempts to claim that he had sort of realigned it fundamentally. And um, I'm not entirely sure that that's true. I think basically he scrambled The domestic policy agenda in a lot of ways, particularly on economic policy. I mean, yes, he passed this um, gigantic tax cut that any other Republican would have would have passed. But, you know, particularly on trade. And as we're seeing now with with the uh, knots that Kevin McCarthy is having to tie himself in over the budget, you know, there isn't really a coherent economic agenda for Republicans Mm -hmm. the way that there was in the post Reagan era on foreign policy. Again, you know he he sort of broke the neoconservative hold on the Republican Party, uh, but he didn't really replace it with anything. So I think what you saw, I mean, he won I think in 2016 in part because he was a, a lot of voters didn't like Republican domestic policy, right? A lot of voters yeah. didn't like Republican foreign policy. He was able to say and to some extent accomplished, that he was a different type of Republican, but now the problem with running against him is that nobody really knows what the republican party is on all these issues yeah. so they just keep falling back on talking about increasingly esoteric um you know ideas about you know how hot the MM should be or whatever um <laughs> the other thing that i was going to say just briefly is i do think the one policy area that we haven't really seen a lot of movement on but that trump is uh vulnerable on which is disturbing is the vaccine. Like I think that yeah. Trump loves the vaccine. He's back to he doesn't talk about it anymore. But he, you know, he's made a ton of public statements about the vaccine. I think if, if pressed, it remains, you know, the extent to which he deserves credit for it is, I would say, unknown, but it's probably relatively small since any president would have done it. Mm-hmm. But that that's a foundation, foundational part of his legacy. Um, Republicans hate the vaccine. I think DeSantis has got a wedge there. Um, I think that weirdly, like that's one of the areas in which Trump could be gotten at. It's just a question of whether or not, I mean, obviously like that's, this is all very dark to imagine, but I, I think that's, that's the one area for me where I think there's like true vulnerability. And I think if you are a candidate that is like Ron DeSantis, I think willing to just go to extremes, then, you know, you could probably make, make some, some hay there.
0: Yeah, I yeah, know. I think it remains to be seen. But I, think, I think you're right. That is a kind of potential wedge. Although, I mean, Trump is sort of already sort of proactively responding to that by saying that DeSantis closed the beaches and, you know, other Republicans allowed much more freedom in terms of um, um not uh, doing the shutdowns. Yeah, I, I mean, there's a lot, you know, we'll see how this plays out in, in the coming months. But I, I think we've given a good sort of survey of you know the state of the, uh, the battlefield as it's done so uh once again uh, uh alex shepherd of the uh, new republic i'm um, very grateful for you. you coming here oh it's always nice to talk to you again